Hey folks, welcome to Highways and Hedges. Uh, Highways and Hedges is a podcast for the ministry Agros, and Agros exists to find, train, and support small town pastors in northeast Kansas and northwest Missouri. Um, today, we'd like to continue a series of podcasts where we're trying to promote messages from the Agros conference um, that we had uh, in early November. Just really want to encourage anybody listening to this podcast to jump over to the website and listen to those messages. Um, I was really blessed by them, and I think my guest today was really blessed by them. I'll put him on the spot in a minute and ask if he was, but Tyler Bridges, welcome to the Highways and Hedges podcast. Hey, Joe. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Um, Tyler, we should have met in seminary, shouldn't we have? I think so. Yeah, Midwestern. Yep. We were both there at the same time. I remember seeing you sing in the choir, but I don't think I ever talked to you. Yeah, Did we? I was probably that shy guy that tried not to connect with anyone, <laughs> no. even though you're supposed to do that no, in seminary. Me too, me too. <laughs> I, it was my fault. I, I know I recognized you, but I don't think we met until we were both out of seminary, right? Yeah, that sounds right. I think you were uh, doing some mission stuff, and yeah. I was just starting here in St. Joe in 2018, and that was that first connection, yeah. even though we were hanging I out know. in seminary. But I don't, we never had any classes together, right? No. I, I never so. remember, because our classes were so small, we would definitely, we would have been forced to interact, even if yes. we were too shy or and awkward to do that. Yeah, right, yes. right. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, Tyler, do you want to just share really quick what you're, you're a pastor in St. Joe, so you want to share a little bit about um, your your roles and responsibilities in the church? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been uh, associate pastor of family and worship ministries at McCarthy Baptist Church for three and a half years now. Wow. And so my goal is, of course, leading uh, worship through song on mm-hmm. Sundays and that not just singing and playing piano and guitar, but as well as putting the service together for how we begin the service, how the service is structured all the way through, mm. um, trying to reach to where the, the sermon becomes a climax yeah climactic point hmm. and then how to end the service well yeah uh, and then also teaching the youth um so i've been doing that for a couple of years now cool um teach wednesday nights and sunday school uh youth ministry as well and then i'm here throughout the week uh, full time so it's definitely two jobs in one yeah. trying to combine both worship and youth into one oh, yeah. position plus still being a pastor yeah uh, being shepherding the flock and preaching about th- two or three times a year okay well. cool so, good very good i don't know if this is fair or not, but I do think of you as a music guy because when I first saw you at Midwestern, you were singing in the choir at times and um, then know that you have that role here as well. Um, But then we've also talked a little bit before about Andrew Peterson. Yes. You know him? Oh, yeah. Personally, I wish your best buds. I I wish I had a buddy (laughs) relationship with him, but oh man, uh, I've really enjoyed his music and that's really the creativity that he has and putting new songs together and doing adding what's not necessarily normal yeah. uh, into church music uh, just in, in a good way, but putting biblical, scriptural uh, content yes. and uplifting the church. It's been really such a blessing to yeah. me and how I impact uh, the songs that we sing here. And he's got a concert coming up. Or are you going to this? I We are talking about going. Possibly. It's back it's, in your hometown, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Topeka, yes. Yep. Uh, ho- hopefully, well, I, I need to look and see still. I haven't fully figured that out yeah. yeah it's a busy as as you uh, know christmas uh, is a busy season I and know. so trying to get everything planned together and christmas eve all those good things yeah so. well i think we could both unashamedly promote andrew peterson's work as well we're both really grateful for it so what let's just share what's your what's your favorite what's the best andrew peterson song oh, without a doubt we're singing it this sunday by the way uh-huh. is he worthy oh yeah um just 
the structure of the song, the congregational response. Yeah. You know, do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. You know, yeah. this call and response and then singing together is anyone worthy? You know, yeah. He, Jesus Christ, is worthy. Yeah. Only Him. And it's yeah. beautiful, right? And it's different than what the main streamlined yeah. K Love radio style yeah. worship songs you're hearing. And I think it adds a nice blend uh, to the church yep. uh, for traditional and contemporary. Yep. Yep. That's right. I feel like. I've just been blessed. What Andrew Peterson added to my experience of worship music was, um, I would call it lament. He's really honest about sad, broken parts of the Christian life and like longing and eager for, he's, he always talks, you know, he's so eager for the resurrection and just does a great job of setting my hope more fully in the resurrection by admitting how hard this life is. And one of my favorite songs, Is He Worthy, is, you're you're right, like hands down. I don't know if you can compete with that, but um, is it called, it's a, always good oh yes um, he's talking about god being always good through um deep sorrow it's a really really good really good song love it <clears throat> so if you get anything from this podcast today please go check out andrew peterson if you never have you'll probably think his music style is very weird if you've never heard it before that's what everybody new to him says but he had a really great connection with rich mullins so yes. if you listen to any of rich mullins yep. uh, material he very much loved rich mullins and follows that uh music style so if you know anything about rich mullins you'll you'll really like Andrew Peterson. that's right and the other uh way you can know that i think of tyler is the music guys that i asked him to come lead the music at our agros conference in november and we were really blessed really thankful for the time you put in that the leadership you showed and the songs you picked um i i was just loved that um one of the things we were trying to do is create an environment for fellowship across some denominational lines and so you went for a lot of traditional hymns that I think everybody in the congregation that joined there that uh, that that day really bought into. It was a really sweet day of fellowship. I just loved the the singing that you brought. So I'm grateful for the work you did in getting that music together for us. Um, since Tyler was at the conference, I wanted to talk with him about one of the messages. But before we jump to that, I've got um, another question. Just as far as the conference goes. If there was, I, I think I asked this in the previous podcast too, if you felt like there was just one thing from that day we spent together that you said, this really made the sacrifice of being there all day worth it. If I could only pick one thing, what would what would you highlight as a, a good takeaway? Yeah, I think for me, uh, I've never, I was talking to you earlier, that I've never really been in a small church before. I've always been in, I guess we call normative churches <laughs> yeah. and uh, kind of a hundred or more people yep. in the church. And so I, one thing I really got from, from the whole day was that it's okay to be small. Yeah. I mean, it's okay to, to have a small group. It's okay to have one or two people mm-hmm. I know leading worship, you know, you'd say, Oh, we're going to bring this worship band in. And mm-hmm. it was just, just me. And yeah. I think the congregation or the, those who were there really responded and singing yeah. well, and it didn't take a huge amount of people yeah, I know there's a lot of work behind the scenes, um, but yeah, just the fact that it's okay to be small and the, the messages throughout the entire conference and the, the fellowship together with the brothers there is just, it's okay to be small and yeah. to enjoy the small things. Yeah, right. And in some ways that Jesus is honored when we are faithful with small things because it shows who we're being faithful to. I mean, in some ways it highlights that. I'm kind of curious because you haven't grown up in a small church and I don't think you'd say you pastor in a small church right now. Um, would you say, can we highlight the treasure of small churches without demeaning large churches? 
and maybe even say like do you feel like the conference did that well or is there a way to say small churches are a treasure without kind of naysaying a larger church yeah that's that's the hard thing I, absolutely <laughs> small churches are a treasure and yeah. that's what this conference is all about small churches are this hidden treasure in the mm. field um and what's hard is you you see constantly promoted um, the larger church and yeah. how great these bigger churches are and multi-church sites and church plants and uh, how the big church, you just don't hear about the small churches. Mm-hmm. Um, just like your national news, you're hearing the big large scale events. Here's the, mm-hmm. the, the mainstream cities and what's going on. You don't hear about the small cities and the yeah. faithfulness of the people there. Yeah. Likewise, with churches, you hear a lot about the big churches and the main yeah. things. You, the big name speakers are talking about, but uh, the faithfulness yeah. of the smaller churches. God, God knows those things. Yeah, right. So, do you feel like in a conference like the Agros Conference, where we're trying to work against that, we don't want to neglect anywhere that Christ is being honored, especially if that, even if that's in a small place. And that was kind of our focus. But do you feel like? coming from a larger church were there times or do you think that even if it didn't happen at the agros conference is there a way you'd feel like we are bad mouthing big churches that we are actually attacking them to try to is there a, a competition or a rivalry that could come there and how if so how would you like how do you protect yourself from making your church the size of your church the only right way to do it yeah um that's a good question yeah. you know I, I think there can be rivalry. It's easy to do. Mm-hmm. We're human nature. Yeah. So it's easy to compete. And small churches compete against each other, too. And big churches compete against other big yeah. churches. Yeah. Uh, we are always like to compare, even if we don't always say it. Yeah. Um, and But I think, I know for us and St. Joseph, being a part of an association really humbles us. Because mm-hmm. no longer, yes, we're an autonomous church of our own, and we make our own decisions. But... We're part of an association of other churches, some that are bigger than us, some that are smaller than yeah. us. And we partner with them to say, hey, it's it's a lot easier to fulfill the work of the gospel together instead of doing it apart. And yeah. so uh, small churches, you know, the encouragement is to join with other small churches in your area or larger churches yeah. to say, hey, we're in this together because yeah. the mission's the same regardless of your size. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That helps a lot. And I feel like that's kind of what the conference did too, just by bringing some different churches mm-hmm. together, kind of had that humbling um yeah i think that's a really good point and i what one of the things that i was trying to um promote in the conference was we're not making small churches special for any reason other than what scripture says and everything that scripture says is precious about a church applies to every true church you know yes. jesus does say where two or three gather in my name there i am among them but two or three hundred can also gather in his name and that's kind of what we i hope that I hope that by focusing on small churches, we are not attacking larger churches, but instead just trying to get all of us to be more devoted to what does the Bible say a church is, and let's treasure it for those reasons, and not for the reasons of numbers or um, you know just some of the other, I think, tempting worldly measures for what makes a church matter. Um, so I, I hope that we did that. And I think the the messages definitely did. The guys with the messages did a great job of keeping Absolutely. God's word a large part of their teaching. Um, and so we're going to talk about Greg's now. Greg Dixon um, gave a message, the second message of the day, called The Hidden Treasure of Little Churches. And uh, he, we were just, with the whole conference, the theme was let's try to uncover what's been hidden from worldly eyes and see the hidden treasure of heaven when it comes to earth. And I was just asking him with that message to focus on 
um, that the size of the church does not determine whether it's worth us loving and giving ourselves to or not, that if, even if it's a small church. And so you got the passage there. Do you want to, I don't actually, it's a pretty long passage, but um, really verses uh, 32 through 34. Do you want to read those? That, those are the verses he was really focusing on in this message. Yeah, I have it right here. It says this, don't be afraid, little flock. Because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah, it's really good. And he just did a good job of pointing out. That Jesus calls his disciples a little flock and that God is pleased to give the little flock the kingdom. So what was your favorite takeaway if, yeah, of that message? What was your, your favorite point of Greg's message? Yeah, uh, Greg, of course, he's just a really, if you don't know Greg, he's just a super humble guy. Yeah. And, but yet he knows everything. Like, I don't know, there's certain people that just know everything and I'm jealous of those people because I don't know everything. Um, we love you, Greg. We wish we were you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so he just poured out what he knew to us throughout the message, but starting first and foremost with the exposition of the scripture and something yeah. that really stuck out to me was uh, he was talking about the disciples and of course, he talks about how these little things that are so precious to God, the little ravens or the little lilies, mm -hmm. um, the, the little flock, as was read earlier, but he talks about the disciples' little faith. Mm -hmm. And a quote that he said was this. But never once does he call them, O oh, you of no faith. He does say, O oh, you of little faith. Little faith is still faith. Little confidence is still confidence. Little hope is still hope. And so I think for me what was encouraging was that, you know, this idea of littleness, that it's still, pre it's still something there. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's big. Uh, like we, we assume big is better. Yeah. Little is still good. Yeah. Uh, we want to treasure the little. Yeah, right. And be it's because especially in that focus there you have little faith it's be faith is only good insofar as what it's grabbing a hold of right mm -hmm. faith is not measured necessarily i mean we do want faith to be strong we want faith to be mature i think those are good biblical categories to assess faith with those are we want we, we pray for the strengthening of the faith uh, of our churches but it doesn't matter how strong faith is if it's resting in something that's worthless right, right. and so it's I just feel like it's a good thing to highlight at times um, that uh, because our faith is in Christ and he is so sufficient, yes. so Amen. worthy that uh, the measure of our faith in him is not really what measures the value of that faith. Even if that faith is small, even if that faith is faltering um, because of what we've put it in, it's effective. It's it, 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 Yeah, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, so that's a good it's I just think it's easy sometimes to get backwards in our thinking and 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 start in practice acting like our faith is what saves us like mm. how do you ever sense that in, in I don't know in pastoring others or even in yourself that like my 
my trust is based on how much I feel this is true. Like I need my faith to feel strong and that's what saves me. And if I start feeling like my faith is waning, I'm losing my salvation or losing my touch with God or something like that. Yeah. And being in youth ministry, I know this is so easy. You go to a camp and it feels like your faith is super strong coming back from here, being isolated for a few days and hearing just all this, you know, you're spent, focused on God and worshiping him, singing songs about him. And you come home, my faith is on fire. I'm ready to go. And within a week it begins to grab away because the things of the world are kind of back into the, and those things are not necessarily bad, but you're just back into your normal routine and you start, the faith seems to be waning. But again, maybe the idea wasn't faith. It's just you're on this high of knowledge or of the isolation. Oh, this was different. And the idea is just the, Faith, where is it placed? Just like you said, that yeah. if it's placed on Christ, you know, yes, we're going to have our ups and downs and yeah. seasons. Um, yeah. We have to depend on him, though, to yeah. get through those. And that just brings to mind, you know, the the the, the uh, Bible camp high or whatever you'd call it, church camp high. One of the things, you know, you, you come back feeling on fires because you've been around a whole bunch of spiritually deliberate people for a week. You know, everybody's really focused and there's a lot of them usually. I, I'm not all camps. There's large numbers, but you know, there's there is something. I just like I'm encouraged at, by the Agros conference, or um, yeah. you came to the For the Church conference as well, right? So mm-hmm. just being around a large group does make it easier to believe these things are true. When you're surrounded by the faith of many others, it makes your faith feel more reasonable, feel more natural, and so it doesn't feel as constrained or it doesn't feel as um, threatened by the world. And so then when you leave that environment, you leave the conference, you leave the church camp and you go back to your everyday life, then it feels like, oh, I'm no longer surrounded by all these burning torches of other people's faith. It's right. mine by itself and it starts to feel dampened and discouraged. and Or they're not sharing the same amount of faith as you do. And again, that goes back to that comparison. Well, their faith is not as strong as mine, so... I'm having to to pick up the slack for them, yeah. and that puts a lot of pressure on you yeah. when you shouldn't have to have that pressure to right. begin with. Right, and I think I I can't say this because uh, like confidently for everyone, but I imagine that members of small churches, small town churches, that that's just like their constant experience. That it mm-hmm. just feels like there's only twenty other people here. And we've only, there's only been these 20 other people for the last 20 years. And as that, their faith is discouraged by that can even become just fearful and not want to take risks or seek for the kingdom to advance, but just start feeling downcast and isolated and to protect their faith, what's left of it, end up kind of maybe even putting up walls to try to protect themselves from that. And I think what would be so encouraging if you're in that situation, listen to this message because Greg does a great job of saying Jesus has a a special place for small things. And even the quote you just read, Tyler, if your faith is discouraged like that, this message, I think, will turn your attention away from your faith to who you put your faith in. And then the promise of that verse is don't be afraid, little flock. Because it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Church of 20 or 30 people in the middle of nowhere. If you're turning to the father, 
If your faith is in him, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't need to be a giant church to earn that from him. You know, he calls you little flock because he wants you. He wants you. He wants us to come to him with that littleness. If we come to God and say, we're a big church. And so that's why we can ask God for big things because we're a big church. God opposes the proud. God is going to smash that. Any that That's not going to result in true the, the father giving the kingdom. But if all of us, regardless of size, come to God with the hearts of a little flock, with faith that feels small and puny in need of a big God, that's I think that's what Greg served us with in this message, was just an encouragement to devote ourselves to that. And one thing I know uh, Greg talked about, and maybe you can speak more into this, uh, what was really helpful is that he was a very much a part of the little church mm-hmm. and so both in his background and where he's currently serving and so maybe you want to speak a little bit into yeah. uh into that yeah greg's experience was a great great part of his message so he spends spends the first half or so um explaining this luke 12 passage and then the second half giving some practical observations from his study and his own experiences and i loved not just his description. So his description of his church, just to give everybody a quick, if uh, just have you guys um, encourage you guys to listen to his message. He said that his church, um, when he was growing up, probably had 35 or 40 people. Um, One time he said they got as big as 75 people for a whole month, (laughs) which is just, uh, I think such a great, like, again, I don't, I don't want it to be about numbers, except that I do think um, in, in, in whatever is still worldly in us, numbers still matter too much. And so it's helpful to get a real concrete grasp of this is the church Greg was growing up in. Um, and he just also pointed out his pastor had a second grade education, um, that his pastor, um, was bivocational, I think drove a road grader for the County. Um, and so was serving the church with, um, you know, only a part time and, the, that's so easy to look down on as like this is not uh this is not a true church because their pastor wasn't educated because he wasn't um you know full time and couldn't spend all of his time pastoring them they're not a real church because there was only 35 people there like very easy to pass those kinds of worldly judgments on the church but by honestly sharing what his church grew up in and then he finishes it up with this really good quote when he's talking about that I think is great. So if the theme of this message was seeing the hidden treasure of little churches, Greg described what his little church was like. And then he said this. It was in this little church in the middle of nowhere that I first sang the great hymns of the faith. It was here that I first heard the stories of Jesus taught. It was here that I first heard the gospel proclaimed of salvation full and free in Christ. It was here that I first came under conviction of sin and came to know Christ, turning to him in repentance and saving faith. It was here that I was baptized as a believer in Christ. Though we didn't have a baptistry, we went down to another local church and had the service there. It was here that I first responded to a call to vocational ministry as a junior in high school. It was here that I preached my first sermon to those 35 or 40 folks gathered as they would have been typically in those days on a Sunday morning. And I cannot tell you how grateful I am for the ministry of that little church, for providing the seedbed of spiritual growth for me and so many other people for 85 years. How can you hear a man share that kind of testimony and not think, what a treasure? What a treasure that that church 
he said out in the middle of nowhere tiny and maybe facing that kind of discouragement we've been talking about facing like we're not we're nobodies we're not a big church in our association or in our denomination we're but when you hear those those aspects of church that are the the the, the treasure of heaven he says this is where i first learned the great hymns of the church this is where i heard the gospel proclaimed that just i feel like my my faith was uh, brightened by that. I saw a clearer picture of, man, that is... So the I, I guess what I should say is the, the verse for the conference, uh, the theme verse was Matthew 13, um, Let me see if I can quote it. Um, the parable... The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I just think when Greg brought out, look at the treasures that were there, Regardless of the size, regardless of the pastor's education, regardless of those things, look, here's the treasures I got, the gospel. Yes. That makes you think, oh, that's a treasure I could sell everything for. It makes those petty discussions about, you know, what decorations we're putting up yes. and, you know, what hymnal we're using and all those things seem really insignificant yes. compared to just the, the foundations of what it means to be a church, you know, yeah. to break bread together, to hear the word preached, to sing together. Yeah. If those things aren't happening, I encourage you, you know, make start maybe simplifying things and go yeah. back to the basics of the gospel. Yeah. Make sure the gospel's being proclaimed and yeah. that uh, discipleship's happening. All those things. Yeah, that's uh, good. It good worked word, Tyler. Yeah. Um, is that, do you feel like sometimes our, our, our petty fights in church are... Um, motivated by a desire to see the church grow. Like, let's say something like, a, oh, we want the church to look beautiful, so we're going to fight about decoration, but it's because we want people to come, more people to come in and feel welcome when they come or something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's always that initial desire. like, we want people to come. And so maybe it's, you know, I've been churches where it's about programs. You know, if we do this new program or do this special event, that will bring people and uh, that will that will change things. Uh, Greg talked about that, I think, in a uh, church that a uh, family went to California and yes. uh, started this drive-in church, and it was the new happening thing, and so everyone wanted to come, but it lost the the central feel of the gospel, the yeah. small, the, in a way, the small church feel that, you yeah. know, this is, this is what we are all about. And yeah. so I think, again, looking at that, the key emphases starting small and then you can work on those other things yeah. as add-ons i guess you could say to yeah. the essential primary thing yep yep that's right there's there's not a church out there that is unable to open up god's word together there's not a church out there that because of its size is unable to fellowship with one another there's not a church out there that because of its size is unable to seek the lord in prayer together why do you feel like we lose those treasures, though? Like, what makes those slip away and become secondary to the things that we start, you know? Maybe, I shouldn't always, it's not just fighting about, but, you know, like, we just, we lose, like, our, our priorities right. get lost, and we go after the things that aren't actually the treasures of heaven, you know? Like you mentioned, decorating, or the, I feel like the most common example of a church fight is the color of the carpet but you know like yeah the, worship wars all those yes, things right right <laughs> well, what why do we loot like ignore the treasures and start promoting other things and becoming more about non-treasures yeah i think we want to kind of make our treasure 
I guess, bigger, you know, that we say, well, we got this small thing, but I'd like to expand. I want to make it huge. Yeah. And instead of just treasuring the small thing and, and giving what God has, taking what God has given you yeah. and making that be fruitful and multiply, yeah. uh, start, you know, I think we were constantly wanting to look and say, oh, this church is doing this. So I need, we, we have to change and be yeah. like them or else we're going to fall behind. Yeah. Um, and the the church, the the core of the church has been the same since it started in the book of Acts. You yeah. know that that's not changed. Yeah. Uh, languages have changed. You know, maybe the the culture around has changed a little bit, and some of the ways we communicate. But the most essential aspects, the gospel and singing together. Um, I think a lot of churches, you know, well, we don't have a music team, or you know, we don't have someone that's gifted to play. Can sing a cappella. Yeah. I just someone find a starting note and yeah. sing a familiar hymn. I know it may not be fancy or hip or whatever you yeah. want, whatever word yeah. you want to use for that, but it's a good thing to sing truth together. Yeah, that's right. It's commanded yeah. in scripture. That's, yes, that's what I love hearing a worship pastor say that. You don't need a guitar. You don't need a piano. Those are great gifts. Give thanks when you're given them. But th that is not the hidden treasure of the kingdom of heaven on earth. The hidden treasure are things that it takes faith to see, like yes. the power of the gospel, like the treasure of God's word being opened. And um, I think that J Greg did a great job again there just by sharing the testimony of the church he grew up in and then highlighting here were the things that here's the treasure in that church. And going back to what I was saying at the beginning, I think that that's how we could keep from making a rivalry between small and big churches. Or what we're trying to say is, Churches that devote themselves to the treasures that God has given us, that's what makes it a treasure. A little church isn't a treasure because it's little. Numbers don't actually come into the equation. The, what makes it the treasure is that we've been given something from heaven, mm -hmm. and we're stewarding that well, and we're being faithful with that. Yes. Um, so what are some things you'd say, like, yeah, these are, the, these are the things a church needs to keep as priority number one in order to be... A treasure, you know. So maybe let me just say it like this: think of think of a church in a in a small small town here in northwest Missouri, northeast Kansas, and they feel like we don't we don't have enough personnel to run any really big programs. You know, we don't have enough personnel to have a worship team. We're we're really struggling to get volunteers, and a lot of times I think in smaller churches too, um, there's not a lot of younger people, and so there's not a lot of energy. Um, those kind of things feel like they're lacking. And so they feel like, you know, we might as well just kind of give up. We're coasting until this church closes. What would you say no to them? If you devote yourself to these things, you are a treasure from heaven hidden in that field. Would you, yeah, what what are some things you'd highlight to encourage them to devote themselves to? Yeah, um, really devoting themselves, you know, just back to the basics the the gospel and the preaching of the word the preaching is is crucial yeah. um we must must preach together and sing and share prayer requests and then go on our way is is not enough for the the church yeah. gathering on that lord's day sunday morning yeah. you know we need to hear the word preached and yeah. so that is essential and yeah. um i know you know there's, there's many that do pulpit supply. If there is, uh, you know, maybe a pastor that you, your pastor's faithfully been 
preaching week in and week out without any break, and maybe they need someone just to come in for one week and step in and preach, yeah. um, or you maybe raise up uh, another among you to come and learn to preach occasionally as well. But the preaching is so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, right. You mentioned singing together, you know, and it's important to sing. I know not everyone may be able to sing on pitch, and that's okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, we're commanded to make a joyful noise to the Lord, though. Yeah. And we should be compelled to make a joyful noise to the Lord. So we yeah. should desire to want to sing truth together, truth of the faith. And I know one of the speakers uh, that was there besides Greg talked about how uh, some of those hymns are, you have to be careful in singing them because <laughs> those truths can hit home if yeah. you're not careful. Make sure you're actually understanding what you're singing yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so that's important. And then the fellowship of the saint, you know, to read the scripture together, to, to give, to converse in godly conversations with one another. Yeah. Um, I think those things are essential. Obviously, uh, things like the Lord's Supper, yeah. baptism as well, yeah. the ordinances, right. uh, you know, those things. Yeah. Are, are really important. Um, but yeah, I think you start there. And then yeah. from there, growing into discipleship. And then, as you have opportunity, you grow into Sunday school or right. small groups and right. other you know, youth of children, other activities like that. Yeah. But start with uh, kind of the Acts mentality. What did the, the first church do? What were they devoted to? Yeah. And go from there. Yeah. Um, that's not you know, that's hard to devote yourself to because those things feel like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the, you know, basics of church. We know we're supposed to do those things, but that's not bringing in crowds. That's not accomplishing what we want to accomplish. We need better advice than that. I don't think that that's, yeah, that that in part rises up out of our own hearts because it's very easy to want to build something in man's strength instead of, you know, um, Acts often says it was the Lord who added to their number by them being faithful to the treasure that had been given them, then the Lord will add to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, it does come top down. There's some, um, there has been some shift in Christian thought to focus on cities. And Greg brought that up in his message as well. And I just wanted to share another quote that I thought was really, he's actually quoting another guy at this point who is um, really bad mouthing small churches but I wanted to read that and then discuss it with you really quick. Yeah, Steve um, uh, so- Sogren. Yes, yeah. So here's what Greg said, quoting him. He wrote, Typical of the vast majority of churches in America is the church with a weekend attendance of fewer than 200 that's just trying to keep on keeping on. Like it or not, it takes 200 people to support a church. Because of all it takes to maintain the cultural expectation of what a church should be, 200 regular attendees, adults and children, is the break-even point in America. A church is not truly viable until it's that 200 mark. So, if that's being taught to you know future pastors, they're being trained to think 200, who's going to want to pastor a church of 40 for their career? You know, there's there's we're... We've, I think, done a, a bad job of that. But what I'd like to hear your thoughts on is he says um, what it takes to maintain the cultural expectation of what a church should be. What, are you, what do you think some of the cultural expectations of churches are that would require 200 or more? Why is that a cultural expectation? Yeah, I think we want our churches to be, in a way, and I don't mean to badmouth it by any means, but almost like community centers. Hmm. And to where... 
you know, in the past, you know, the church was about community events. You'd have daycare, Wednesday mm-hmm. dinners, or you'd have all these things where everything was circulated around the church. You know, the church was kind of the centerpiece in small towns, especially as well. Yeah. And maybe some still are, yep. but, um, obviously in St. Joe, it's not as much that way anymore in this cultural trend. Yeah. Um, but we still see kind of those, we need programs for our kids. We need homeschool events. We need, um, you know, senior adult activities. We need youth trips. We need all these things in order for us to be stream mainstream line church to yeah. where we're, we're on the upper end of bringing people in. Yeah. And, um, those things, while they can be good, um, they can burn out people very yeah. quickly. And especially if you're a smaller church or, like um, many churches today are declining um, to where you have less people now to do the same work that you were doing 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Um, That makes it a lot harder. And so you see a lot of these programs start to fizzle out and then church members start to get discouraged or uh, concerned, not seeing, then we don't see the the baptism number. How come we're not seeing people baptized? How come we're not seeing people coming forward when a lot of times we've just forgotten the basics yeah. again yeah. going back to preaching the word the public reading of scripture Acts 2.42 says that devoting yeah. themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship mm. to the breaking of bread and to prayer yeah um, that's that's right those are the fundamentals and not fundamentals like that's the foundation and then we just build on top of that and forget it those are the fundamentals like everything that happens needs to be this yeah. everything needs to be based needs to incorporate those very things into them with the Lord's Day being the climax, not the background or alternate yeah. option, but the main focus. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a good point, too, to bring up that the church as a community center has been an expectation that's been placed on her. And I think I would say that's a worldly expectation. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's true, that that's not actually what Scripture says the church should be taking on as a responsibility, that that's something that the world has kind of crept into the church and assigned to the church this responsibility to, you know, to provide services in addition to or beyond? Right. Um, and, and why I'd say that, I haven't thought about it a lot, So, but why I say that is I feel like a lot of those community-centered events end up becoming the things that distract us from what the church is really supposed to mostly be about, like you just read from Acts 2. Right. Yeah, once those community events start forgetting to bring in the gospel and the reading of scripture and promoting the the word and prayer, um, when they just become more events to just bring people in to say hi or to boost our numbers, that can be really concerning. Yeah. And so it's a good... And to analyze those things because that can be very dangerous. Yeah. I just would like to say if you're a church that has heard things like that quote where you need to be 200 or bigger to fulfill the culture's expectation, please throw out the culture's expectation. Don't. I feel like that that expectation is not a burden the church is meant to carry Um, that and and not only because you're not able to fulfill it. But I think in chasing after that, you start losing your devotion to Christ and what Christ wants us to be. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there among them. And so our concept of church has to include the idea of a, a three-person church. You know, if, if, you, if you're able to say you can't be a church with 200 or more, Jesus said you can be a church with three, mm-hmm. with two. 
if you're gathering in his name, which I think includes things like what you're talking about, Acts 2. Devote yourself to what Christ wants you to, and that's the, that's the hidden treasure. Um, and so we'd love to, yeah, I just think Greg's message did a good job of encouraging us in that and seeing the treasure of um, every witness to Christ that every local church represents insofar as they're being faithful to him. Um, do you have any closing thoughts or quotes you want to share to help just encourage people to go check that uh i think we'll be able to put the link to the message in the podcast um so i don't have to run off my annoying uh website url again <laughs> but uh, if you want it, are there any closing thoughts or quotes you'd like to share just to encourage people to go listen to it yeah i would mention you know being a pastor uh having you know we have about 90 to 100 people on a weekly basis and thankful as associate pastor i'm not alone have a senior pastor as well yeah. many small churches don't have that yeah. um, but I'm one thing he talked about Greg Dixon did was uh, the reference to the 99 and the one yeah. how Jesus, the shepherd you know left the 99 sheep behind to go chase after the one and it's interesting you know he could easily have said 999 and one but he didn't he said 99 and one and mm-hmm. a quote that really stuck with me is how much can one shepherd care for yeah. and I know just but being split between two of us and having that many active members is a lot of work yeah. to have 50 each, basically. Yeah. Um, and so to to try to say, oh, we need to have this many more people to, I'm not saying we want, we don't want more, we want more people to, yeah. to come and be a part. We want to reach our community, but yep. to, to enjoy the treasure that you do have, not yeah. take it for granted. I think Greg just hit that right on the head you yeah. know, to, to love those who you're called to so that you can tend to, the one when you need to go leave the others behind and tend to that one yeah yeah that's good that's a really good word we'll close on that thanks tyler for joining me and um thank you guys for listening we just hope um that this encouraged you to go check out greg's message on the agros website and uh maybe consider coming to our conference that we'll do next fall with some of these same kind of concerns on our hearts so thanks tyler thank you yeah